0: it was shortly thereafter i called up nick and i was like hey so i'm gonna send you like two grand um send me a bunch of cool stuff
1: welcome to from the ground up where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded sit back and have a beer with us well some of you are driving if you're driving keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show like we've already had a viking type character so i wouldn't be surprised if they start calling you some type of viking name or some shit
0: i'm only uh second generation american so really uh, yeah. yeah the uh i'm the first generation not to know norwegian though that pisses me off uh, <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah i'm i'm very much a viking I even have the t-shirt to prove it. Hell so yeah. We well,
1: like people will definitely run with that. All right. Are we actually starting now? It's yeah. It's for real. It's for real. For real. All right, guys. Welcome. That's <laughs> how you... Really All right, guys. Welcome to number 56 of the From the Ground Up podcast. Can we stop that, please? All right. All uh, right. So, guys, it would be awesome. This is... <laughs> We have these shirts for sale. Um, we just had a new launch, March first. Everything's up on the website. Oh, I worn you should have worn the shirt that we launched that you're supposed to be wearing right now, but you didn't. and That's fine. Can I go get it? Yeah, I mean, no, that's weird. Don't, <laughs> don't do it right now. Um, but it's like you know, rugrats, reptiles. If you like chondros, there's a chondros shirt. If you like indigo snakes, there's an indigo snake shirt. And all the proceeds from that goes to either buy mice, rats. Give thanks to the podcast, buy a six-foot cage for my olive python, pretty, pretty, please. As well as we have the (laughs) Amazon links. And all you have to do is follow the links. I put up some herb supplies and some random shit that I like at the bottom of the podcast, at the bottom of the YouTube videos. And if you follow those links and if you buy shit, we get a little bit of kickback from that shit. It's no cost to you. But we get some money. too no, we should just record this and
2: like put this at and the, put it in the
1: beginning, in the intro, so you don't have to say it. Right, uh, but like then people will get bored of hearing the same thing. I know that they is the come here thing, for unique ads. They just want to hear me say different ways to sell them to okay. support the podcast. You know, um, you know, I what I want, yourself. what I want to do as far as the <laughs> podcast goes, is support it by always giving you something in return for. The stuff you give us, like I don't want to exactly take ads. Maybe we will one day. I guess this is kind of an ad, but it's our own ad. No I mean, one's... I definitely want sponsorship <laughs> one day. That's without a doubt. She's really the greedy one. I really don't care. Well, like, I would I much want rather sponsorship from like beer people. They
2: don't have to pay me. Like, That's just true. Give me
1: free beer. What we need is like a six pack sponsor. If we could get Lakewood Brewery to give us a six pack, but I mean, there's really nothing in pack
2: Every <laughs> Monday, yes.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that somehow That's proved awesome. that we've gotten people to drink their beer, even
2: though we're not drinking
1: them today. We're drinking. That's but We're true. both
2: drinking new beers. I'm drinking I feel like Brack we or
1: Fusion Brown Ale. What are you drinking? We're... Oh,
2: what am I drinking? Tell me. I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't remember. Okay.
1: Hiccup. Sorry,
2: um, someone already named you. <sighs> um, they said you're the dad from How to Train Your Dragon, and so I'm trying to Google that right now because I've never <laughs> looked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or him, or the dad from Brave. You know that movie Brave. The Irish, oh, yeah. the Irish one.
0: The Scottish one, or Scottish. Oops. How dare you? We're Sorry, from Scotland.
1: <laughs> Sorry. See, <laughs> they look yeah, the I, same. <laughs> basically, the same person.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, well, I guess uh, we're kind of going into this, aren't we? Okay. This well, tonight thing. we have. Tonight we have Travis Johnson from Living Legless Reptiles. He is out there in California. If you haven't noticed, we are two hours later because I think we may have a couple West Coast shows going up. But Travis, um, you have a very diverse collection. So how exactly did you start? What was your first snake?
0: Uh, my first snake was, like a lot of other people, was a ball python. Um, no shame. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, well. I actually grew up afraid of snakes um, which is definitely unlike most people's stories. Um, I was really afraid of snakes and reptiles but I was always fascinated by you know exotic animals anything that would be put in a zoo I was fascinated with um, and I respected reptiles on the other side of glass uh, but I play, I played heavy metal um, all growing up and when I was 14. Uh, my, uh, one of my bandmates, they were all much older than me. They had a, uh, ball python, a big adult female. And, uh, you know, I couldn't look like a wuss if when he was all, hey, do you want to hold it? And, uh, after holding it for a few minutes, I, you know, I realized, wow, you know, these are really misunderstood animals. Um, and, uh, and so I started doing my research, um, uh, about two years later, uh, I got my first ball python, and then it quickly grew from there. I was over every weekend, spending my weekends at a uh, a little children's museum called the uh, Children's Living Nature Museum in Hobby City. Um, that was curated by a uh, buddy of mine, uh, Toby Derbyshire. Um, and they, uh, he had, we had like 200 plus animals there at that facility and then i was always uh going into uh the guy that owned that his son owned radical reptiles um and i was going in that shop all the time um and they were right next door to each other at the time i later became uh started working for them um at both places, I was uh, just doing birthday parties and classroom education at the Children's Museum and then just helping clean cages and stuff. And then at the shop, I um, I wasn't exactly a manager, but I was basically the manager. Me and uh, a good buddy of mine, Brandon Wheeler um, of Morelli House, uh, we both um, kind of managed that shop in a way um, for a good amount of time. Um, Well, that's how I got into it. I mean, uh, you know, it it quickly grew from, you know, one ball python to two ball pythons to uh, I got, I think my third snake was a carpet python um, and uh, I got a corn snake. um, And, you know, being around in a shop and being at the... The museum, you know, I got to work with all kinds of stuff. We worked with, you know, a 14-foot anaconda. Um, we had 20-foot berm. Um, uh, we had some, uh, I mean, we had all kinds of stuff. Rhino, iguanas. I mean, you name it, we had it at the shop or at the museum. So I got a lot of hands-on with a lot of different species. But I pretty kind of quickly figured out well i kind of like everything so uh i just my collection's just grown from there i mean we have roughly i think somewhere in the realm of 100 animals give or take and uh of you know animals from babies to you know adults and then during breeding season i mean when we're hatching stuff out we could have you know who knows and we could uh we could break you know 150, 200 babies, maybe. I mean, depending on how our season goes or whatever. It's always a mix of stuff. I mean, we work with a lot of locality boas. I've got like Crawl Tarahumaras, uh, San Isidoro, Costa Rican boas, longtail boas, Argentine boas. Uh, We have some Candoya, the Solomon Island ground boas.
1: and you're you're breeding all these this season
0: uh not all of those things no uh like the uh we're breeding the kraqueys uh long tail boas the Argentine boas and the candoya uh the candoya palsini, the uh, ground boas um all of those have either locked up or um or getting, you know, the beginnings of lockup uh, Boas kind of go more this time of year um, rather than winter. So they're, as we're kind of moving into spring, we're seeing a lot more activity with, you know, the Argentines and stuff like that. Um,
1: is there a difference between like mainland boas and like something like the Kral <laughs> Uh
0: The biggest difference is size. I mean, the crawl K's are like a corn snake. Um, you know, they're They only get like three to four feet. Um, And, you know, they're, they're, uh, I've seen, I, I, have seen corn snakes literally thicker than, than crawl caves. I mean, they're really, they're, they're tiny little boas. I mean, um, same with the Tarahumaras. They're just, they're tiny snakes. I mean, they live in, here at our place, they live in uh, 35 quart tubs. Wow. I mean, they're, uh, and they're breeding. They're breeding right now <laughs> while we're talking. I mean, so, uh, I mean, they're both in, in a 35-quart tub together, and they're, you know, so they're really, really small boas. So that's one of the biggest differences with, at least with that, those two species, um, is just size. And some of, the, like, the differences with, like, the crawl ks for instance, uh, or not the crawl case, the uh, Argentines or, like, the long tail boas is The biggest difference between the mainland's is just their their look. Um, Argentines are very black with all this like gold and white peppering and stuff, and um, the long tails are these black and blue and these you know lots of silver and stuff in them. Um, As where you know red tails, you're you're kind of kind of that atypical you know red tail with a nice you know gray or You know, silver tone to them, Um, so they're definitely visually very different. Um, And
1: I've heard um, about the seasonal feeding of some of the island species, as far as them feeding on like birds and stuff like that. Do you take that into consideration in captivity?
0: uh, I haven't done a lot of how I seasonally feed, as far as boas is. It's kind of the same as I do most of my boas or pythons is is that during the winter it's you know uh usually once a month they get fed um and then uh, the rest of the season they get um you know their typical whatever it is if it's you know a rat every two weeks or or whatever um so i don't do any real real intense seasonal feeding like some people do um i mean like the crawl caves in the wild um are said to only eat these migratory birds that come through on their island for like you know three to six weeks of the year and that's the only thing they eat Um, and i know some guys that do that i mean that's they feed them three to six meals and i mean they feed them like yeah like three to six meals and that's it for the entire year um I don't have the stones to do it though, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but um, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see how we breed. If, if, if they're successful and breed, then I probably won't change anything up. But Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things I find with working with so many different species is that, you know, some, some cue into different things. And so you have to kind of play with some things. Some things don't, you know, just because it's a boa or a, or a python doesn't mean it's going to breed the same way or take the same cues to to get it to breed. And, um, you know, and so you have to kind of with all the species that we work with, we have to kind of play with things, which mm-hmm. is kind of I guess it's a downside for me uh, as far as breeding goes is because it, it makes my. My business goes slower because, you know, as I'm trying to figure out different species, you know, you get you get hung up and and you can't produce the species because you are trying to breed it like it's this species. And so, I mean, it's definitely taken me probably longer than if I honed in on on one specific species or or two or three specific species. But I mean, at the end of the day, I like so many different stuff that I have to have a variety. I can't I can't just say, okay, I'm just gonna breed carpet pythons or I'm just gonna breed boas. Like I like too much different stuff to, to try and do that. Like I mean but you do have to kinda I've had to peel myself back a little bit on some things that I've gone I've gotten projects that I've turned around and sold that because you know it just wasn't working out for me or something like that. It, yeah, I think
1: uh, I think we all do that to a certain extent. Like we extend ourselves and then we realize, oh shit, we gotta kinda backpedal in order to be effective in one particular area. But what we you... Oh Yeah, you well were... I had
0: <clears throat> like I tried to do um Arizona Mountain Kings and I cooked them all. <laughs> so because my room's too hot. <laughs> it's too hot, and so yeah. uh, you know, I I can't keep them alive. Um, I've I've had the same experience with, and it's not like it's that hot in here. I mean, but um, you know, they don't like it hot, and they just don't do well. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same reason why I don't have diamond pythons. It's just right. I don't I don't have any way to keep them cool enough to. Um, I can probably keep them somewhere else in the house, but
1: that's so much extra know, effort.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, um, what else do we work with? Uh, do a lot of coastal carpets a lot of coastal carpets. We have some jungle carpets, brettles pythons, mm-hmm. a lot of bull snakes. Um, I have, I think I have. Twenty eight bull snakes, and those are all uh, assorted morphs of sorts. Yeah, um, I have a, a few locality things, like I have the Kankakees. Keys. Um, I have um, um, some Stillwater Hypos. Um, the the actual original line um, uh, locality that was uh, um, taken from the they were saved from that um, rattlesnake roundup, mm-hmm. um, and they popped out the first Stillwater hypos. I have some of that original line, um, but I've got a few locality things. But for the most part, I, I work with like oh, and I have the Kingsville's, the Texas Kingsville, Kingsville Reds. Yeah, um, but over the other than that, I've got Stillwater patternless stuff. I've got um, the Stillwaters. Uh Miami Xanthics, uh Albinos, hybinos, <laughs> Hypos, Whitesided's, and every combination thereof in between.
1: What is what attracts you to bull snakes? You're because my
2: question Okay,
1: sorry, go ahead. Thank You're me. gonna get us off topic. <laughs>
2: somewhat off topic. Okay, I've two questions that are somewhat basic and you're probably gonna get mad at me for asking and then i have one question from the chat stop trying to rush me first question is and it's super basic do boas coloring get better with age or lose it or is that specific to specific types of boas?
0: it depends some species of boas um get better um Some, like, for instance, the Argentine boas and the long-tail boas. That's exactly
2: what I was thinking about.
0: (laughs) The Argentine boas and the long-tail boas go through an incredible ontogenetic change from babies to adults. Um, You wouldn't believe a baby long-tail is is a long-tail. It looks just kind of like a drab brown um, red-tail. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, at first glance, you're just like, uh you know and and people see the price tag, and they're like, "I'm not paying that for a red tail, and I'm like, "No, no, no, these aren't red tails like and then I pull out you know mom or dad, and uh, they're like, "Oh my God, like that's the same snake and um, you know they're they're born this kind of drab brown and gray, and they're just not impressive at all as babies um and uh I mean, to a long Jakarta person they're awesome looking but um but yeah, they're night and day from from babies to adults. Argentines are the same way they're this like gunmetal gray um and uh you know people have to use your imagination that when they you know get to be adults they're these sm- smoky black you know uh snakes with this all this beautiful white peppering and stuff um
1: and the the longaas also gain melanin too as they get older right?
0: Yeah, they get, they get all this black. Um, you get a lot of black. They'll get their grays turn silver. Um, uh, like, And then around the rings of their saddles, they get this hue of yellow that is non-existent as babies. Um, and uh, I have it on my website. If you go to my website, um, on my long-tail boa page at the very bottom, there's a picture of a baby that I raised. There's a picture of her as a baby, and there's a picture of her as an adult. And uh, it's, I mean, it really is. It's night and day. Uh, mm-hmm. But not all boas are like that. I mean, um, you know, most of the common, you know, red tails, you know, most of the BCI and stuff, they're identical replicas from babies to adults. Mm-hmm. The crawl Ks are identical to their their uh, parents. Uh, Tara Hamaras are pretty... Pretty much what you see is what you get um those Costa Rican boas I have do change quite a bit um they just get redder and redder as they get older um <clears throat> um but yeah, it totally varies i mean and and that's and that's just within the boa constrictor clade i mean mm-hmm. um with other types of boas is the same thing I mean you get. You know, like rainbow boas, for instance, are drastic, you know, or pretty drastic change from babies to adults. I mean, they're kind of orange as babies and then mm. they color up, they get more and more red. Um, we have a lot of, we work with a lot of rosy boas. Um, they're kind of night and day too. I mean, some localities or morphs look like just baby replicas of their adults. Um, but some change quite a bit. I mean, we have like the Harklahalla mountains from Arizona locality, rosy boas. And as babies, they're kind of like, it's kind of like muted orange and, and beige. And then like, as adults they are these like crazy beautiful orange stripes with this, you know, silver and opaque, you know, background color and stuff. So yeah, it totally varies. I mean, um, but as a general whole, I mean, uh yeah, most you know, most boas uh get better looking uh even with a lot of pythons. I mean carpet pythons are a great example of that. everything but better. ball
1: pythons. Basically.
0: Yeah. Ball pythons are born perfect and then they get duller and uglier usually with age for the most part good thing people only keep them for you know one to three years and then
1: but they get rid of them but he acknowledged the so fact good. that some
2: things just kind of stay the same like not everything yeah. gets better so i think that's you know even though ball pythons are the ones that get uglier it's important to they, note that
0: they don't all get uglier i mean um <laughs> you know but <laughs> just the majority uh, <laughs> I I'm not a big ball python guy uh but I mean uh there's two ball pythons in my house and they belong to my wife uh but uh I'm sure there'll be more but uh yeah we don't uh, we don't have a lot of pet rocks over here yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay I have two more questions I'll go for it. um okay I, I mean obviously you keep so many Bull snakes, so the answer to this probably will be yes. But can you tell the difference between a bull snake and a pine snake just randomly looking at two next to each other?
0: Uh, yeah. Um, but that can get very kind of convoluted because there's different subspecies of each one of them. So he um,
2: tries to tell me how he tells them apart, and I still can't see it. Like I see. I I
0: can't it. tell Southerns mostly from like Louisiana there's, and stuff. There's some types of bull snakes uh, and pine snakes that really kind of walk the line in between. um, And it's hard to, you know, distinctly tell them the difference. Um, Sometimes even as babies, especially um, they can be a little more challenging to work with. I mean, or tell apart. Um, But uh, yeah, there's, it's base- it's mostly based on color i mean a lot of pine snakes what you find in the hobby most is in um and i'm not that well versed in pine snakes but i mean um you know you find like a lot of like northern white uh um pine snakes and so they're pretty obvious they're it's kind of like white and black, or black and white.
1: Yeah, once um, you get into like the lime bread, like those are the big New Jersey black and white Northerns right,
0: and right. stuff like that. Yeah,
1: and they're like seven feet and yeah, they're
0: monsters. Yeah, the um, we only work with bull snakes. That's kind of my, that's kind of how I justify some of my stuff. Is awesome. like my, I'll do like. Like I don't work with pines or gophers. I just have bowls, uh, and I do. I do a kind of a lot of that. Like I'll have one, but not like the other. I mean, like blood pythons. I have, I have Sumatran, mm-hmm. uh, you know, py- python brongers but I won't work or don't work with any of the Curtis or uh, and I, um, mainly just for space purposes. I mean. I can't keep everything, so <laughs> I mean have
1: I have heard that those uh Sumatrans are a little bit easier to keep and the Reds and the Borneos maybe a little bit more sensitive. I don't know personally. And plus the the Curtis are the most um exploited as far as uh you know, not bred as much here and then imported a lot.
0: Yeah, they're imported a lot. When I first got into it, bloods were basically only imported. Um, there wasn't basically anybody breeding blood pythons except for like VPI, um, and uh, so they were they were always a cool species that I wanted to work with. But um, it's funny I've I've actually I've never produced them. I've had them for uh, well over ten years, and I've never produced them because I always seem to get some, and I slowly raised them up. And then something comes up in life and I get offered money for them and they go. <laughs> uh that's happened uh three times now.
2: Jeez. That
0: um, I that I've raised up a collection of blood pythons. Not a huge collection, but you know, five, six animals. And uh and then they've been sold off. Um because, you know, I you know, man.
2: Last in, in, first out. <laughs>
0: Yeah, where,
1: where do you stand now in your current iteration of blood pythons? Or short two, tails, rather.
0: I have two male blood pythons. Well,
2: <laughs> so you're not breeding this year. Yeah. <laughs> you like your actually,
1: actually, project is about as effective actually, as my male jungles. So. It's
0: good. Actually, I, uh, I am breeding blood pythons this year, hopefully. Um, my matrix head albino is... Um, uh, actually at Brian Cusco's house. Um so he will be pairing her or his his my male with uh his normal female this year. Um and hopefully we'll get a bunch of little matrix um pos hat depositive albinos so I might I might uh I, get some I don't albinos know maybe
1: I don't know anything about mutations in bloods. Is that the one that's super for magpie or 007? or
0: The Matrix is the um single gene of ivory. Okay, so that's so off. <laughs> so when you it's close. I mean it's a white snake combo. I mean, uh two matrixes make the ivory, which is like a, a small dorsal pattern, um with basically kind of an ivory off-white background color across the body. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, my last question.
2: Oh, sorry. No, you go.
0: Oh, no, I was just saying that I won't make any ivories, unfortunately, this year. It'll just be a bunch of matrixes and normals, but mm -hmm. if I produce them, that is. Okay, Okay,
2: last question. Brandon asks, how do you cool your brittles?
0: Uh, Well, you know, I've I've done it a couple different ways so far, and I have yet to be successful breeding them, so um, I would not heed my advice. <laughs> How old uh, are they? Uh, they're 2011s. It's about uh, time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, uh, I've tried them three years in a row now, um, uh, and uh, I have uh, a pair of stripes and i also have a harris line uh male that's on loan to me and um yeah i tried the first year just keep them in snake room uh in my normal racks with my other carpets and i failed and uh then the next year i put them in my garage um with my bull snakes um with a little heat pad and uh that also failed (laughs) and uh and so this year i bred them like i breed my argentines um i took them real cold um but with um uh, a heat lamp that would come on um for you know about five or six hours of the day um and uh you know bring them up to you know about 82 um And then at night it would drop down into, um, I was getting them at like 62, 63 degrees, um, which is how I breed my Argentine boas. Um, they're in the snake room still. Uh, I cracked, they're near the window. I cracked the window. Um, they're down in the bottoms of the racks or the bottom cages. Um, and, uh, we'll see. Um, I, uh, i haven't been successful yet though but i think the last two years that i uh, had a lot to do with my male um i just had kind of a finicky eater male that was real small um and i think he's just kind of a dud uh, and so hopefully this harris line male you uh, know get the job done but they're weird they don't breed during winter like most carpet pythons. they breed during the spring so we're actually just now getting into kind of pairing them up um so, we'll see. I got my fingers crossed for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be really awesome to get some uh, some rattles for sure. Yeah, so... They're definitely one of my favorites. <clears throat> so,
1: as far as carpet pythons, what else do you have going this year?
0: Um, I've had a terrible year with carpet pythons. Um, I... Uh, pretty much any... Anytime I've paired up a pair of carpets, I've gotten a clutch of eggs. Uh, and this year, it seems to be the, uh, the year to not do that. Um, uh, I, had, uh, I had a real nice exantic male get sick on me. And now uh, he quit. I pulled him off the breeding cycle. Um, and so hopefully I'll have some uh, Michael Pinnell striped uh, caramels uh, and normals, um, uh, hopefully that Michael Pinnell, I have a Michael Pinnell, uh, male, um, uh, caramel male that, uh, hopefully, uh, we'll get some cool stripes going on, um, we'll have, um, uh, some normal caramels, um, and then some normal coastals, uh, pretty much only coastals this year, unless I get the brittles to get going. Um, and then I've got the jungles paired up as well, um, but I haven't seen really any activity from them, so I don't know if that's going to go anywhere. But I mean, the uh, yeah, it's 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 been a weird year. Um, I thought. It was going to be probably our biggest season yet mm-hmm. by a long shot. And it still might be our biggest season, but I don't know if it's going to be as big as I was thinking it was going to be. <laughs> I mean,
1: that's how snake breeding goes. So as far as temperature goes, where do you get to in California
0: where you are? Also, um,
2: what part of California are yeah. you in?
0: <laughs> I'm in? I'm on the Central Coast, so I'm, I'm only about... 30 minutes from the ocean um, and uh, I'm about halfway in between LA and San Francisco Um, uh, in fact I'm about 10 minutes away from Brian Cusco um, you
2: lucky duck
0: which is pretty obvious since (laughs) when you guys interviewed him he was here at my house
2: (laughs) I didn't know that (laughs) Yeah. how did I miss that
0: he was standing over in the corner here. and uh, He was and outside played. for a while. Yeah, he was outside for a little bit in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> playing with my dogs. And then he came in here and uh, he was messing around. Uh, um, well, we were messing around with a bunch of snakes while he was over there, which was pretty funny. Yeah, um, and,
1: and that was at the same time as like the fires. Were you affected that far north?
0: no we weren't affected uh, Only the only effect that we had was that my buddy um, uh, Riley Jimison of uh, uh, Riley's Reptiles he had brought his entire collection up here um, to get away from the fires um, uh, which he was trying to sleep on my couch and uh, we had all of the snakes in here in different cages and bags and um, you know, kind of makeshift, uh, evacuation mode. Um, and, uh, so, but I mean, we weren't affected at all. We were, uh, we were pretty fortunate. We've had some fires here. We live in a pretty rural area. Um, and we get some fires, but, uh, fortunately, nothing, you know, nothing has ever affected our collection at all. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah if anyone wants to listen to riley on morelia python radio he talks about pretty much everything that went down and how he survived and as far as this collection goes and all wow. the work he put into it yeah, how he survived
0: he, he he the real truth is he came up to my house and he just drank all my beer <laughs> that's how he survived uh, uh, no he uh he He did a lot of work. Uh, He used to work at the Santa Barbara Zoo as a reptile keeper there. Um, And uh, the amount of work that he put in there to get, you know, the animals, um, you know, set up and prepared for the fire. Uh, And then the amount of work that he went into, you know, putting in his own personal collection uh, to safety. I mean, um, you know, when he got up here, it's like, I mean, everything's in bags and cages and, I mean, but he had, I mean, he was prepped with heat packs and, you know, we were pulling them out to give them water. And I mean, he had it all planned out and uh, major kudos to him, honestly, in an emergency, I think I'd grab about, uh, you know, as many snakes as I could get my hands on and and run out the door. And that's, that's about all the preparation I have. (laughs) I mean, uh, I'm, you know, I got kids, uh, and two dogs that uh, they're gonna take higher priority over my snakes, so right. um you know, they uh not that I don't love my snakes, but um
2: But you humans
0: know, I, should come first. Yeah, that the my uh I'm sure if my wife is watching she wants me to say that my kids are the most important.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd throw Melissa on the fire and take all the snakes.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I fortunately, all my racks have wheels, so actually, I could probably, if I had enough time, I could probably just roll my entire collection out the front door. Um, we should get and, that uh, next time. Racks with wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I use, all, I use all vision racks and cages, uh, so everything has wheels. Um, so, I mean... I could unplug them from the walls and push them right out the door if I needed to. Um and minus the big boa tubs, the uh those boa racks are wider than a door. Uh really? So Damn. yeah, they're you have to build them uh we we've moved now um from when I first got those, we've moved twice and uh you have to un- completely disassemble them and reassemble them in the room um that you're gonna put them in um but uh other than that yeah everything fits right out the out the door in fact i totally cheat when i hibernate all my pole snakes i push their rack into the garage (laughs) and i just park them in a corner next to my incubator and then you know i forget about them for 12 weeks and then i roll them right back in here and you know plug them into the wall so
1: that's perfect it's
0: actually it yeah it works out pretty good well, for years, I, you know, had all these separate tubs and had lids and holes punched in them and had to set them all up. And and then I had to clear out cabinet space in my garage to stack them all up and then hope they couldn't escape from me, you know. Uh, yeah. So now I just pushed the entire rack right out there.
1: <laughs> Are you, uh, starting, you starting to ramp up for your Colubrids now?
0: Yeah, I just brought them in. This will be, this is week, beginning of week three uh, from bringing them out of hibernation. Um, I've offered uh, one meal so far for all of them. Um, Next couple days, I'll offer the meal number two. Pretty much everybody took meals already. Um, I had one or two kind of fight it because it's been kind of cold here at night. We're still getting down into the 20s um, at night. Not in the snake room, but uh, outside. So, I mean, <clears throat> the temp drop is probably mid-70s at night, give or take. That's honestly a
1: lot colder than I thought it would be. The 70s that.
2: you thought no
0: He said it, is, Sorry. it gets, Sorry. It gets pretty cold here. I mean, uh, when I get up to go to work in the morning, it's 25 uh right now this time of year um uh, it's it's definitely cold um but um but yeah, we had a couple that you know didn't want to take it or didn't or, or took it and dropped it and you know played their little games but <laughs> um you know
1: how often and, do you feed them when you first get them out
0: uh i give them like a week to warm up and then Um, week number two, I'll offer them a meal then week three, week four, and I pretty much feed them. Um, I'll feed them every week, uh, until I get, um, that first shed and then I'll start pairing them up. Um, and, uh, I'll break them up, uh, once a week to give them food and then I'll give them like a three day grace period after they eat, uh, and then throw them back together. Um. Fortunately with bull snakes, they're, you know, they pretty much go right to it. They don't, they don't screw around like, uh, boas and pythons. Um, you know, they're, they'll bite the females. They'll pin her to the wall. Um, well, damn. uh, Yeah, they're very violent. Um, and so, uh, you actually have to watch, uh, that they don't hurt each other. I mean, um, because they, they can get pretty pretty nasty with each other and the female just basically tries to run away um and so you gotta you gotta pay attention i mean um but you know i've never had one get hurt i mean the females will kind of they'll get some scar tissue on the back of their head uh, from the bite um but, but that's not getting that's hurt well, but a couple of sheds, you know, <laughs> it, it goes away. It's it's all superficial. I mean, they're not drawing blood or anything, right? uh-huh. I mean, but it'll just kind of mess up their, you know, their scales a little bit. But like I said, after a couple of sheds, you can't tell them I and it goes right away and they're fine. But, uh, yeah, they're pretty violent. It's, um... It was nerve-wracking the first time around. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to eat each other. Please don't eat each other. (laughs) Um, Well, my first breeding bull snake experience was uh, pretty bad. I I raised up one pair, uh, and uh, I got a female or got a a second female, um, you know, like a year or two years later, and so by the time... They were old enough to breed. I had sold off the older female. um, And I was like, oh, I'm fine. I still got the pair. And I just wanted to try them out um, before I really got a bunch of bull snakes. Uh, Because I'd always been fascinated by bull snakes because of their rattlesnake mimicry. Um, At the museum that I had first, you know, kind of got all my feet wet, um, we had a big, huge uh, seven-foot Uh, bull snake that we use for education and um i was just always fascinated with this how big and massive the call of a colubrid they were and their rattlesnake mimicry was just you know nothing like you know anything i had seen and so um i just i quickly became fascinated with them and and eventually got myself a pair well raised them up sold off a female thought oh i still got a pair Finished raising those up. um, Went to breed them. uh, Finally, when the female was large enough, hibernated them for 12 weeks, pulled them out, you know, fed them up, did my normal routine and put them together and they start (laughs) fighting. And then I probed the female and it's a male. (sighs) And so, uh, so I had to find myself more females and raise those up but uh but now now we crank them out i mean uh last year we had three clutches of various morphs um double gene and triple gene combos and stuff so they're they're such awesome snakes i mean the Everyone's kind of scared of them because they, you know, they're real hissy. And- mm-hmm. it's, it's um, the,
2: you talking about the rattlesnake mimicking. It's
1: like, the that's only, why I hate them. It's like, the only snake <laughs> where it's like everyone loves them because they're a piece of shit to them. They act like a rattlesnake. Who's they the hate when you show them? up. To, well, whoever does love them. It's just part of the oh. charm.
0: It's a, totally a part of the charm. They're such cool snakes. And, that's um,
2: like saying a kid who cries 24 7 is part of the charm.
0: Well, like, they're not, like, they don't stay like that. I mean, as, as in all my adults, my kids run around and hold. I mean, uh, um, that's and, a unique experience to you.
2: As yeah. <laughs> uh, I,
1: don't <laughs> I
0: don't know about, I, about that. <laughs> I've never been hissed at by an adult. Um, I
2: walk
0: by uh, the shits, the adults it's, anyway I mean, it's
2: freaking out.
0: They're uh, as babies, uh, you know. Yeah, they're you. Op- each tub you open it, and then mm-hmm. <laughs> you move on to the next tub. Right. I mean, and then the smell but, comes. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. My I've been pretty fortunate. I don't get a lot of musking. I mean, they seem to quit that. Pretty quick. So.
1: Okay. Well, clearly, I hold it, and do. then you feel like your hands on their stomach, and then you hear like, a <laughs> and then you just know it's about the musk <laughs> all over you. I guess he has the best experience.
0: His, his don't rattle, they don't hiss, they don't musk. Like, oh, they will just... rattle as babies. I mean, and uh, and if you wake them up from hibernation, they uh, they'll get pissed. Uh, I had uh, I can get my adults going during the middle of hibernation if I you know touch them um you know when i'm in there giving them fresh water and stuff i can get them going but uh i mean the general day to day stuff you know i mean you just have to watch out when you're feeding them cuz they'll come flying out of their tubs and um yeah you know, i'm a drop,
1: drop and run with that
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, i this is what i use these really long <laughs> <tons>. <laughs> and, and, it tends to keep most of the fingers away. Well,
1: my olives like a hook open the tub and throw a rat, and then it will catch it <laughs> midair and fucking flail out of the tub, so.
0: Man, my my olives aren't that gnarly. Uh, My olives are pretty mellow. Um,
1: <laughs> it sounds
2: like, sounds like everything you have is like pretty
0: mellow. Problem, <laughs> that's, not, that's not true. I, I have plenty of snakes that'll bite you. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, there's, there's, you know, there are certain snakes in here that my kids can walk in and pull out and hold, and there's other ones that you can't. Uh, I mean, um, all my adult carpet pythons you can hold and handle uh, real easily. Young carpet pythons, even like two year old carpets. Not uh, happening. Na- they're all pretty nasty. Uh, um, got a lot of boas that'll just that'll make a big stink they'll you know hiss and uh stuff uh argentines are pretty notorious for that as babies really um and they'll do it as adults too um so they're fun yeah (laughs) you get an eight foot you know 25 pound boa hissing at you um it it's a it's a serious sound i mean uh I used to have one. It's funny cuz each Argentine is kind of their own separate personality. And so uh I had one specifically that you would open the cage and it would immediately just open its mouth and hiss at you. Um and um and then as soon as you reached in and grabbed it, you know, he was dead silent. Like it was like turning off a light switch. And uh but anyone that was around uh, he would scare the piss out of because you know you open it up you have this huge boa you know and and i just reach in and everyone's like what the hell is wrong with you you're a psycho Uh, but um i have other ones kind of the norm right now with most of my argentines is they love to hiss when they have a rat I'll give them a rat. They'll grab it. and They'll wrap it, and then they're hissing at me. That like I'm gonna take it from them.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like don't take what I have wrapped up. Like it's
0: mine. My... You can't. You can't have this. It's mine. <laughs> I'm like I gave you the rat. <laughs> like, but, I
1: don't want it back. Like
0: yeah, but See, that's kind of the norm for most of my Argentines right now. They're...
1: My my carpets will like wrap up a rat. And then they see me, and then they try to bite me after, like I'm another meal
0: or oh, something. Oh yeah, I've got some that'll drop their food, and they'll they'll <laughs> key back up on me, and you're like, "No, oh, you already gave me the rat! Like eat the rat!" <laughs> yeah, I've got. It's funny when you work with a a big collection like I do. I've got, I've got a bunch of different things like that. I have some snakes that, you know, they want their food left there. Like a lot of my baby bull snakes you just have to put the food item in the cage and close the cage and walk away and they'll eat it. I mean, frozen thawed, no big deal. They'll just, they'll go and eat it. Um, they won't take it from the tongs. They'll hiss at it and they'll strike at it and they won't eat it. Um, but if you just leave it in there and walk away they'll they'll eat it. But then I have, you know, some stuff that has to take it from tongs a certain way or they won't eat it or, you know, I mean, they each kind of have their own little forks. I mean, mm-hmm. or like you said, there's, you know, I have a couple of snakes that you got to just kind of toss it in there and, and shut the cage real fast <laughs> because they'll, my Macklots pythons will do that. They'll catch that damn thing mid flight, like, woom, wrap it up. And I mean, and, uh, you know, you just got to make sure that you're not in their mouth when, mm. <laughs> when it's all said and done. <laughs> Now, do you find um, Max
1: to be a bit different than something like an olive or a savu or the other Liasis? Um,
0: well, I've never worked with savus personally, but um, uh, as far as my work with Max and and like and uh, olive pythons, they're they both are pretty similar. I mean, uh, the olive pythons seem a little more curious and intelligent. Um, then my Macs, um, the Macs kind of have the personality of a carpet python, you know, they're very, you know, strong feeding response, very defensive as babies. And then they kind of just naturally get over it if you, you know, work with them. Um, and by the time it's really going to hurt when a Maclot is going to bite you, they, I mean, they just kind of stop which is kind of my experience with carpet pythons at least for the most part. It's like, um, but with the olives, um, you can just, you can see the intelligence and the curiosity when they're cruising around. Um, I don't know. There's just something about them that they're definitely a little smarter. Um, but I haven't had olives all that long. Um, mine are, uh, 2015. um,
1: I think I'm about um, the same time frame with my olive.
0: Yeah, I got mine from uh, my good buddy Nick um, Mutton of Inland Reptile. And, you say uh,
2: that so casual. Like, 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 like a like, I swear, I swear, I I I I I like,
0: uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um and like, well, you know, me and Nick, uh, s- <laughs> I started t- hanging out, well, started talking to him over the phone uh, back in 2011. I bought my first carpet pythons from him. Um, I didn't buy my first carpet pythons from him, but I bought my first carpet pythons <laughs> from him in 2011. Uh, I've had carpets. Uh, carpets were like my third snake. Um, in fact, I actually bred them. uh uh, in two thousand seven was my first year breeding uh I bred uh carpet python and a uh red cell ball constrictor. That was my first uh, pairings. At that um, time, who my, was
1: even breeding carpets?
0: Uh Nick Le- and Nick <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. Um there was uh there's a couple other guys out there. Um BPI was breeding carpets mm-hmm. back then actually. Um, uh, who else is breeding carpets? Um, Will Bird, um, uh, was breeding carpets. Um,
1: Fanny Venter was probably still breeding carpets.
0: Yeah. Um, there was definitely, there was definitely carpet, you know, carpet Python people out there. Mm. Um, but, uh, I, uh, I kind of found Nick through, uh, Uh, reptile radio and i was also a part of the morelia python radio uh um uh group Mm -hmm. um and uh or not morelia python radio um the
1: forum morelia
0: python forums um and uh and so yeah i mean i kind of follow Nick. And, um, I was always, uh, a big fan of Vin Russo, um, with his locality boas and all of his, you know, um, you know, very locality specific, um, you know, boas and stuff. And so, um, after having carpets for a couple of years and kind of getting more immersed in the, in the hobby, I realized that, you know, Nick was definitely going in the direction that I, you know, really kind of want to follow. And, and be very specific with being awesome localities and yeah he's an awesome guy <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I know, no, I know I, so are you a purist then at heart
0: oh yeah yeah That's i fair. produced my first clutch uh was a, a mutt pairing of uh like a jungle in and Aryan jaya um how and dare then, you uh, I, i'll never forget <laughs> i was on the phone with nick and i had oh no Diamond Coastal Crosses um, <laughs> And uh, we were talking about carpet pythons and he's all You need to go fucking sell those things right now. <laughs> and I was all All right. <laughs> You're Nick, okay. Sold. Uh, and but uh no he's he's a good guy. We uh we've talked on the phone many times for hours and hours on end and we're, you know, chasing our own kids around while we're you know talking on the phone talking snakes for hours and you know finally one of us is like all right you know we my kids won't let me go like i gotta go like um but uh and i was really fortunate to meet him in person uh he came down um the last two southwest carpet vests were held um uh here at my house um And so, uh, I was really fortunate that the last time, um, uh, he came down, uh, he actually flew down to, uh, Los Angeles and then drove up, uh, with another buddy of ours, um, and he hung out for two days and, uh, um, got to, you know, uh, it was pretty surreal, honestly, because, you know, he... (laughs) He's one of the you know people I really look up to in the hobby and uh to have him at my house holding my snakes um you know, it was royalty cool. right there it was really cool it was a cool experience to be you know around him um he's a really down to earth guy like um you know uh I totally felt like a fanboy. I was like <laughs> Are you son. I was like, I wanted him to sign my copy of the the complete carpet python. And, uh,
1: will you uh, sign my coastal,
0: please? (laughs) I, I didn't, I actually didn't have him do it. Uh, uh, I chickened out. And, uh, but, um, but yeah, he's a really good dude. He's got some great carpet pythons. Um, and in fact, um, I was fortunate enough that I have, uh, A couple that he actually loaned me after carpet uh after carpet fest um he sent me a a few loner animals uh to work on some specific projects with him so
1: i think i think that's a sign that he liked the way you kept your animals
0: so yeah i hope so i mean it, it it was a real honor that you know he was like you know he entrusted me with you know his his animals uh but um Of course, now I'm bailing him because I, uh, (laughs) I'm like not going to have it anywhere near the amount of carpet by I was planning to. So, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, I actually texted him the other day and I was like, I'm sorry, dude, but I don't know if that project's going to work and, but, um, yeah, so the, um, he's a good dude. Like I said, he, uh. He really he has a real passion for, for carpet pythons and stuff and um and so yeah, he's he's an all around, he's a great guy. But um uh, yeah, I I'm a definitely a purist. Uh, I uh I don't have any crosses, I don't do any crosses. Um in fact I have one carpet python that's not, you know, lineaged uh and he's a pet. Um, that we take to all the classrooms and stuff like that. And,
1: Is that one of those, like something that just kind of fell into your lap at the right time or a pet or when you first got into him?
0: Uh, he was, um, I'd kind of gotten out of carpet pythons. um pythons. Uh, I had like a bunch of crosses and I had some bridles and stuff. And then, you know, uh, we had just had my son and we were like, I just needed to kind of thin the herd a little bit and so i sold all that stuff off and um and a couple other things and then um this you know nice what i assume is a coastal carpet uh, at the was at the pet shop um that i frequented all the time and um i miss having carpet pythons and i was like well and i bought them for you know a, a christmas present for myself um, <laughs> that sounds yeah. like something he would do. <laughs> and uh and he kinda sparked me back into into the carpet pythons and uh it was shortly thereafter I called up Nick and I was like, Hey, so I'm gonna send you like two grand, um send me a bunch of cool stuff and uh um It's
2: a pretty freaking awesome Christmas present.
0: Yeah. We, uh, that year I got Ruttles, I got jungles, I got coastals, um, I got some caramel coastals. Um, yeah it was it was a really I kind of jumped you know headlong into it and uh, but I've, I've been very successful with carpet Python I and mean, then overall. Um,
1: I mean it seems like a, like a reasonable transition, but how did you get into Liasis Was that Nick's fault as well?
0: No, um, no. Um, the liaison was, um, was all Brandon Wheeler's fault. Um, <laughs> um, uh, growing up, um, or, you know, when I was early in the, you know, hobby, um, I was good friends with Brandon Wheeler, still am. Um, but um, he had some Macloss pythons. And uh, I was always hanging out with him, holding them, checking them out. And he had clutch after clutch after clutch, uh, years after years. And uh, uh, finally, um, I bought a pair. And uh, I've been hooked ever since. And um, all the pythons were kind of always that awesome, you know, species of snake that. uh, I kind of always wanted to own it was kind of my dream snake and uh uh, and then especially after i got the maclots pythons i was like oh man i gotta get olives now i got and uh i finally i finally bit the bullet and uh and got my olive pythons yeah
2: what are your thoughts on i may have missed what olives you had because i missed things but what are your thoughts on albino olives
0: I have a pair of oh, 100% head albino's. You Ooh. bastard. <laughs> <Ooh>. uh,
2: <laughs>
0: um, you know, they make a pretty good albino, you know, all things yeah. considered. They're a patternless snake, um, you know, uh, so their, their albinos are pretty neat. Um, there's this patternless white, um, you know, animal. Um
2: but it's like creamy. You know, it's like a it's yeah, it's creamy. A pale yellow. I like it. Nice. I like that it's not, you know, just like total white like nothingness, yeah. but it has, you know, it has a little bit to it. And I like that.
0: Yeah, I like them a lot. I mean, I definitely want uh I'm pretty excited that I'm you know kind of one of the few, I guess, that that have, you know, or have the potential of making albino olives. That's kind of a a neat aspect that I'm not familiar with in the hobby, you know, um, you know, most of the stuff I produce is, you know, a couple hundred dollars here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, it's kind of neat to, to know that I'm, you know, one of the, you know, kind of handful basically that have, you know, the potential to, to make albino olives here in the next you know year or two. Um, but uh but I hope that it's not I hope that that's not people's only draw. I mean, olive pythons are such an interesting species of snake um, that you know I don't I don't want people to get caught up in the mutation of, of the olives. Um, olives are just interesting species to keep, um, whether they're albino or not. Uh, and in fact, I probably plan to, you know, have both options. Um, I'd like to have some one hundred percent normal olives and produce just nice classic olive pythons for people mm-hmm. and have you know the albinos and head albinos to do um to produce, you know, like I said, albinos and head albinos for people right. that are are interested in the mutation themselves. But they're um Yeah, I don't know. Olives are just such interesting snakes that, I mean, it's weird. I can't put my finger on it, but it's like, I think it's it's the same kind of intrigue and interest that people have with reticulated pythons and their you know intelligence
1: there's uh, something happening there their eyes move and i don't
2: think ours is the smartest one babe <laughs> like oh uh, no it I, just
1: decides when it, it really wants to also bite you likes sometimes. feng
2: shui like that's what we should name it because it literally refuses to keep
1: oh it fucks up it fucks up the tub, up the tub every
2: single time and it
1: drives me nuts that's
0: interesting like, I, in my experience with olive pythons both of them as soon as they got here were very handleable and uh i mean i've never been bit um never been attempted to bite um you know i hook them out and they hang out with me my daughter holds them she's 11 years old i mean uh i i granted i haven't had baby olives yet um terrible uh, terrible i'm sure baby baby all the pythons are not going to be that mellow but uh i mean my baby or you know when i was raising maclots pythons they were you know they were devils for years i mean but they mellowed out and and as long as i'm not feeding them uh, yeah they're okay
1: I had to do right. the whole black out the front of the tub with my olive when it was a baby, because it would just oh, yeah. bang its yeah. face
0: the it whole time. I've had a couple of the over the years of different species that did that. It was like you wouldn't; they just couldn't handle it. They were just always super, you know. I had baby bull snakes, even like that, mm-hmm. that were just like wouldn't calm down. I mean, they eventually did as they got a little older, but I mean, but yeah. I still have one that'll just that's real happy to to see me every time that's
2: <laughs> <laughs> a be uh, failing it. but
0: well, his name's Happy. Um <laughs> and uh he's a it's a still water patternless bull snake that uh you open the tub and he's just gonna start, you know, hissing and, mm-hmm. and striking and um I think I used him in a video as far as to show like the You know, the kind of the immediate defense mechanisms of uh bullsnake, there, yeah, he's he's a character for sure, but he's gonna make some incredible babies, so it's uh,
1: always hard
0: to be a jerk,
1: yeah, it's hard to explain to people. Like, I have people messing me about olives, about waters, about carpets. It's like, hey man, just please just wait like a year, like stay in there, they may be terrible now, but like. You're not going to tame them down, I don't think. Just give them that year to kind of chill out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I still don't necessarily, like, 100% trust my MacLots Pythons, but, I mean, I can reach in there and handle them and stuff, and they don't, you know, react. I mean, but I've had them now. They're 2012, so, I mean, you know, they've had a lot of experience dealing with, you know, how I do things and stuff, so, I mean... They're pretty callous to, to what I'm doing and stuff. I mean, that,
1: that cover photo on your page is that them locked up? Yeah.
0: Did that happen this yeah. year? Yeah, that was this year. Um, the uh, She's actually shedding right now, so I'm hoping. Is that a prelay? This is the, the, yeah, I'm hoping it's a prelay. She's not very swollen. Um, but I've had snakes fooled me before that, uh, you know... Oh, uh, didn't I want to... We should show it right to people. Me. Oh, wait. Stop.
1: There you go. I don't know if yeah, Travis can right. see it, but we're just showing the pair of... no, oh, I can see it. Cool. But yeah,
0: yeah, they're super awesome.
2: So which is yeah,
0: which? Such, the lighter colored uh, is the male, and the darker color is the female.
1: Oh. So you can yeah, see um, that female. that female change.
0: looks... Pretty large in comparison to the male. Yeah, she's definitely a lot bigger. I don't keep I don't keep them that big. I mean, they're basically the size of carpet pythons. Um, I've heard you know stories of you know seven eight foot macaw pythons and stuff. And I mean, my uh, my male lives in cg seventy seven.
1: <laughs> That's mean, awesome.
0: Like he, he eats like small rats. I mean. Uh, you know, a lot of this stuff does not need to be the size that you know you see on uh, you know, some of these things. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think herpticulture as a whole has uh kind of gotten a lot of animals for a, kind of a long time kind of fat and lazy, absolutely, um, you know, and you tend to see it with. Uh, a lot of species, really. Even carpet pythons. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, people like I. I work with coastal carpets a lot, and everyone's like, "Oh, those are the biggest carpets, and they're so big, they're too if big." If you want and, them to be, uh, he,
2: yeah, you Like,
0: yeah, if you feed the hell out of them, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they'll they'll get big. I mean, so it's like my adult females are, you know, seven feet and eat like a large rat every two weeks. It's like. I and mean, my my 11-year-old daughter throws them over her shoulders and carries them around it's not like they they don't need to be these 10-foot you know monster animals that mm-hmm. you know um and then um yeah i i don't know i don't you see it even worse with boa constrictors
1: dude i see like a eight-foot BCI that's, like, as thick as a fucking jug. It's disgusting. I hate it.
0: Oh, yeah. Or even, like, I work with Argentines, and I've worked with Argentines for a long time, and it's like, you know, everyone's like, oh, they get, you know, way bigger than, you know, other red tails and stuff, and, um, you know, you'll hear some of these stories of, like, 14-foot Argentine boas, and they're, you know, 100 pounds or something, and you're like... Or even you know sixty pounds, and it's like if you do the math, I mean that that animal is grossly obese, like I mean, like my my biggest female is a two thousand five so she's what thirteen this year she's twenty five pounds and eight feet long, like so now, if you take let's say even if they're 10 feet, let's say you have a 10-foot Argentine boa, if it's 60 pounds, the breakdown, if 25 pounds and 8 feet is a healthy individual that's not obese, you know, and Fred fed properly, two, you add 2 more feet, but then you add 30 more pounds? 30 <laughs> what, or 35 more pounds? Like... Uh, so that's, it's like the healthy animals like three
1: pounds a foot, and then that's like right, yeah, that's like and, six pounds uh, a foot. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know uh, if that's a good way to break down bow okay. constrictors, but we just made it up.
0: No, it's it is. It's uh, you know you can't you can't. I mean, and you won't get any success breeding those. I mean, you know, uh, that big of an animal, unfortunately, is you'll be lucky if you get the lifespan out of them too i mean mm-hmm. you know most of these things if, if we don't screw it up you know we'll live 15 to 20 years and maybe even more oh yes it is so it's like you know i mean, as long as you don't feed the crap out of them i mean you know uh
1: I mean, I think I think the whole thing is that people think that every snake you give them a rat once a week and everything's once a week. It's the same formula for everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't even feed every, you know, two weeks. I mean, uh, depending on what it is. I mean, if I want it to grow, you know, I mean, babies, it's like once a week, and then you know, but it's totally dependent on the species, you know. I mean, you can't it's not a one size fits all type of thing. I mean, different species have different metabolisms. I mean, you know, you can feed a bull snake once a week and they're fine, you know, or a corn snake once a week or every two weeks. I mean, um, you know, they have a higher metabolism and they can process that correctly. You you feed a boa every two, you know, every week for its entire life and you keep growing with size. I, I mean, you're eventually just going to have a really fat boa. I mean, you know, they can only be so wide and which I mean is not going to
1: help you. I'm guessing wouldn't help you with breeding, whether it's male or female.
0: No, no, you get something too big, even a female, you know, is, you know, that's not healthy. I mean, Change it out to a human, for instance.
2: I literally was just, we had this conversation 20 minutes before the podcast, and I was about to, (laughs) he made this exact same analogy, and I was about to bring it up.
1: But go for it. Sorry, yeah, no, you
2: go for it. It'll probably be funnier. (laughs) Successful.
0: Yeah, I mean, obese people don't have successful, you know, reproduction very often. I mean, and that's because their bodies, you know, can't handle, you know, that. I mean, you know, that's just find me a fat boa in the wild. Find me a fat anything right. in the wild, and then.
2: But does it know. matter about the male?
0: Yeah, because if the male's fat, he's going to be lazy and he's not going to breed.
2: That doesn't work. Anymore. It's like that analogy. Oh, like does not matter of the size. size of human males? They will breed.
0: You see the olive bionic? Well, I mean they can breed. I mean, <laughs> but in my experience, you know it's easier it's easier to keep them in smaller cages and leaner mm-hmm. and um i mean you save yourself food bill you save yourself cage space i mean um and i mean and i've had you know oak, you know fat snakes you know that didn't didn't really you know want to go for it but then you know, bring in a you know small young male and you know <laughs> gung-ho you know so yeah. <laughs> i don't
1: know i mean i meant to i meant to ask you before about the liasis um do you prescribe to two males as far as people say you need two male olives to breed and i don't know if the same applies to mac
0: well i've never bred olives uh never bred Lyasis at all except but you only have a pair
1: though you don't have an extra male
0: I do I only have the pair uh but I will rectify that um uh here hopefully pretty soon um just to be safe um I'd like a, a second male um and then as far as Maclots if I'm I mean if I'm not successful this year I will get another pair just to have another pair just a because i want another pair but um um but yeah i mean that's kind of how my my process works is it's like mm-hmm. you know if it's a species i'll i seem like i raise up one pair and then i see if i'm successful breeding them or what or if i just enjoy keeping them and then i'll expand from that so i mean um um but i mean so yeah i mean i'll like, for instance, if I have a litter of Max this year or a clutch of Max this year, you know, I'll keep a pair and then I'll have two pairs. Um, um but as far as liaison or as far as olives, I will be getting a pair of normals. Um, mm-hmm. that's just because I want to be able to provide normals as well. And you can also um, use the mail, and then I can, yeah, I can. It it serves a double purpose that I can use the mail if need be. Um I've talked to people that breed olive pythons. Um that you know, like Nick will swear that, you know, he has to have another male. Um he went ten years without uh being successful with olive pythons until wow. he got a second male. I
2: definitely would have given um, up by then.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like um that's dedication right there. I mean, um, but uh, but then I've also talked to people that breed um, uh, all the pythons that they just have a pair and or a couple pairs and they don't ever put the males together and they get successful clutches every year. So, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think some of it has to do with it's possible that all that male or those males are Need is the smell of another male, and they don't need the actual interaction. Um, but um, it's it's definitely a definitely a huge positive motivator for a lot of species of snake to have another male, or even the scent of another male. Um, I very regularly take sheds of skins of boas and other carpets and stuff like that, and put them in, you know, the um, know the cage with a different male uh just to kind of get them amped up and you know they the smell of another male um i've done some combating with carpets and stuff and um if nothing else it's kind of interesting to watch and then yeah um (laughs) uh, but it is a it is a good motivator for uh you know um males that aren't breeding and then you throw you know throw two males together and they get a little combat going uh and then you separate them and throw them in both in cages with females and they're both like oh i won cool all right <laughs> and and so um so yeah i mean i think i think if nothing else I, I, a mistake i've made a lot is with having so many different snakes and different species and stuff that I've I've only been reliant on one male um, a lot of the time, and I've faltered a lot from it. I mean, uh, so it's definitely, um, you know, if you're looking to get into a project or a new species or something, I definitely recommend you buy like 2.2.
1: If
0: you really, um, you know, anything you're going to try, um, because you could potentially have one male that's just a dud and just for whatever reason doesn't want to breed. And it's like, well, you've spent three, maybe four years raising these you know, this trio up or this pair up and the male just doesn't want to breed or or the female just doesn't have want anything to do with this male. Um, I've, I've experienced that too. So a man um you know, and I've so I think it's really important to have a second male of almost anything that you want to do. I mean, if you can afford to get, you know, the, the second male, uh, or like a two point 2, I definitely recommend it. I and mean, then with any species. I mean yeah. if you really want to be successful with that pair, worst case scenario you have at least one male that's gonna, you know, hopefully go the distance for you. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you sell that other male off as, you know, a pet or something. And and who knows? I mean, maybe with a different females, that male does well. And I mean, I I experienced that this year. Um, I was I had a pair of Argentines together. Um, for whatever reason, I had uh, this pair has proven for me twice in a row. Um, oh, well, I don't breed both was back to, females back-to-back. Back. But, I mean, um, you know, with gaps in between, I had this pair prove for me twice together. Um, this year, for whatever reason, just wasn't, you know, the male wasn't doing anything, wasn't doing anything, wasn't doing anything. And uh, I had a different pair of Argentines, same thing. Nothing happening, nothing happening. And I switched them, and they immediately both started locking up with the other female. Don't know why, but you know, if I hadn't had the second male Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have any baby Argentines here. And now, you know, I might be fortunate enough to have two different litters. So I mean so yeah, I mean I definitely I definitely recommend it. Sometimes you just need some fresh meat in
1: there, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So how did you end up getting the, um, the max? Did you do anything special as far as cycling or do you, uh, treat them kind of like your carpets?
0: I just treated them totally like carpets. They're in the same racks as carpets. They had the same night drop as carpets. Um, yeah, they, I didn't, uh, and I've had, um, and this was this was the year that I got some locks um and uh, it looks like it's going to going to go the distance so i mean um i'm hoping i tried them last year and they i think they were just a little too young they were 2012 so theoretically they should have been able to breed but um did you have them since
1: 2012
0: yeah i raised them from babies Who'd you get them from? Um, well, I bought them. They were produced by uh, Brandon Wheeler of uh, Moralia House. And then uh, he actually wholesaled them all to Nick. And then <laughs> I bought them from Nick. <laughs> uh, but um, I actually bought them from Nick know- knowing that they were Brandon's. Uh, and specifically, I wanted Brandon's. Uh, because i I'd, I'd grown up in a sense uh with the parents of those animals mm-hmm. um and so it was really important to me to have uh animals from that you know that pairing uh and unfortunately uh the, those parents died um, uh Brandon sold them uh a few years ago and they actually um, passed away in the new owners' care, and so now Brandon, when I produce um, some, <laughs> <laughs>
1: he's gonna have to buy a pair back. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> uh,
0: but um, yeah, but I'm kind of weird, yeah. sentimental like that. Like, yeah, I and mean, If I can, if I can have you know some produced from a good friend of mine, I mean, those are the animals that I want. I mean. Um but uh so yeah, that pair's that pair is pretty special to me. I'm pretty pretty stoked uh that I you know, if I am successful with them. They're uh they're a neat species, you know. I mean they're olive pythons with you know, they're basically a patternless snake with, you know, a few freckles, you know. I mean it's like if they were a carpet python I I I'm totally gonna steal Nick Mutton's uh saying but uh i heard him once say that you know if they were a new mutation of carpet python they'd be ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars uh but you know they're they're a whole species that looks like that and uh you know they're, they're barely you hardly ever even see them uh yeah you, know, you can't hardly find somebody that you know uh knows what a maclots python is let alone uh you know producing them or keeping them and so um yeah, I'm. I'm really, really hoping that that uh, that pair goes the distance for sure.
1: That's what. That's what sucks is you see common morphs of like a ball python, or like I went to Ryan's house and he had a retic that looked just like a timor, and we're like, "Oh my god, that looks just like a timor. That's amazing!" But you're gonna pay like a thousand dollars for a retic morph when you could get, you know, a, a timor. Yeah. So it's like, why oh, do you yeah. prefer the retic when we could have the real thing? Or that's not a great example because Timors are—I've just heard terrible Timors are
0: pretty, Well, yeah, I think Timors are pretty terrible. Uh, but no, I mean, you're totally right. There's there's definitely snakes out there that, you know, uh, are. I mean, there's do- definitely a lot of underrated or underappreciated species out there, and. That's kind of all the stuff that I like, though. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I like all the locality boas and, you know, my favorite carpet pythons are coastals. Um, um, you know, I i don't know. I mean, uh, that's kind of the majority of my collection is like mm-hmm. weird stuff like that. I mean, I have Candoya boas, Argentine boas.
1: Yeah, let's talk about I Paul Sinai at one point. Do you have you have a pair?
0: I have a trio. I have a one point two, and I've actually had nothing but locks uh, from from one pair uh, this year. So I'm really hoping that I have a litter. You house them Um, together
1: during the winter.
0: Um, I pair them up just like I pair anything else. Uh, But boas, kind of, yeah, they're boas tend to. I, I do more of a one-to-one ratio with boas, um, uh, and so, yeah, he's basically just kind of lived in there since I started, as soon as I started doing the cooling uh, attempts, um, I gave him, a, you know, like a week of that, and then I tossed him in with the female, mm-hmm. and uh, I got locks pretty much right away, and they've been locked up for weeks and weeks and weeks. I literally stopped writing it on the tub. <laughs> you know, I was, I was just like, well, it's kind of overkill at this point. It's like, you know, uh, they, um, you know, I, I have blue painters tape, you know, on, uh, on all my tubs with, well, I have a bunch of information, but as far as breeding goes, I have like lock, uh, dates and stuff and, or paired, you know, paired this date and locked this date, whatever. And uh, yeah, I, I literally just stopped riding on the tub. I ran out of space <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> like, um, but hopefully, uh, the male I have is a captive bred, um, kind of white with uh, dark saddles. So, like,
1: San uh, Isabel is what they call it,
0: that face. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of people call them that. That's actually a real island, though.
1: It's like um, a misnomer, yeah. It's just the coloration yeah, at this point. And
0: they don't look... They they don't all look like that from mm-hmm. that island. Uh, um, and so I I tend to shy away from saying that um, because, for instance, my two females are actually wild-caught um, San Isabel Island, um, and one's orange and one's red. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: <clears throat> They're yeah, not all white, white, so
0: yeah, the white ones captive bred. And, um, I was really hoping I had i had originally bought a uh, 1.2 uh, from Dan Mallory of DM Exotics, um, because I fell in love with this species, um, you know, way back in my early years. Uh, with um, there was a shop in Long Beach, uh, California that uh, I would go to a lot, and they had these had an adult female for like the longest time and uh about every time i go into the shop i held it and i thought man these are such cool snakes like they get pretty good size i mean not too big they get like a perfect and, size really yeah i mean um and uh they're just really unique snakes i mean they're very viper you know mimics Uh, basically the whole kandoya genus is all viper mimics of some sort Mm -hmm. um and uh the false and i tend to eat really good on rodents um and so and and almost no one looks the same as the next right um even when you get a red animal for instance you could have two red animals and you'll have a red animal with like red saddles. And then you'll have another red animal with like, he'll have the same red saddles, but then the, the outlines of the saddles are black. And I mean, um, or a different shade of red or an orange or something. I mean, I've pretty much never seen two Paulsoni that look the same Mm -hmm. and they're not morphs. They're just, you know, they a very, yeah, yeah, they're very, a varied, you know, um, species as far as their, you know, outward appearance and so um yeah so I bought the original trio of wild caught um San Isabella Island um they were the first that were imported in probably like I think eight years um Dan brought in a pretty good little group of them
1: I got them uh, that year too oh did you yeah <laughs> I think what was that yeah. like two or three years ago
0: Something like that, yeah. And, uh, and I moved and something happened. I don't know what the heck happened, but my male died. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, crap. Like, I got two females and, um, uh, I was fortunate to hook up with, uh, a, uh, a guy that, uh, was selling some, um, captive bred animals and, uh, and I found a nice white one that I liked and, um, kind of the same mo. I mean, they're, they're supposed to need another male. Um, and, uh, but captive bred is a lot more expensive than wild caught animals. Even though half and, of uh, the
1: captive breads are just females that came in, grab yeah, it and grab it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, no, these are actually true genuine captive bred animals. Um, and, uh, Or the male is, anyway. And, uh, um, and so, uh, anyway, I picked him up and, and yeah, so far he's, he's been working out for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's crazy the size difference in them. Oh Uh, yeah. You know, my male lives in a freaking, uh, hatchling tub, (laughs) like uh, he eats hopper mice, like Mm I (laughs) mean. Like and the females eat small rats, like um yeah, it's it's very weird to see. Um but uh I've got plenty of pictures of them locking up. Um
1: Well, I mean, stuff. don't worry, their gestation period is just around nine to eleven months, you know. So yeah, you got well, in. Boas,
0: right? boas in general are very long. Most Argentine boa or like Argentine boas and, and long tail boas and stuff, it's about the same. It's really the, Yeah, it's um, – I think it's – I want to say it's uh, 145 days or something from ovulation to birth. Um, About five months or so. Yeah, like five or six months. Did you do
2: that in your head?
0: In my head, man. (laughs) Um, But you never – you hardly ever catch a boa ovulating so it's like it's a total shot in the dark and what i seem to experience is uh a lot of my boas don't have pre-lay sheds um so i'm totally guessing like when i have boa litters on (laughs) that uh a lot of people are lucky they have a, a shed and then they're like okay well it's 145 days from this day and And then, you know, they can map it out. And for whatever reason, most of the boas that I produce, I don't ever have a shed. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, uh, so let's just say she ovulated this day. We're looking at, I mean, most of my boa litters are produced in uh, July or August. So like last two weeks of July, first two weeks of August is pretty average for all the boas I've produced. So, and then I kind of just tell people, you know, get back in touch with me back, you know, and then, but, uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're just weird species. I mean, but yeah, the false are really neat. I, uh, I definitely hope to get more. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're really unique. Uh, kind of the same thing, like the same interest I have with bull snakes, it's like, you know, that kind of, that interesting mimicry, you know, they're just not, yeah they're not your typical snake that you see on a regular basis though
1: yeah mine had like a it had a stub tail it had a bite out of the back and shit and it was just like (laughs)
0: oh yeah it was rough (laughs) they're they're hardy ass snakes though i mean you know uh i thought i they were going to be a little more sensitive um with their care and stuff and i i mean Coconut husk and a bowl of water and mm-hmm. you know ninety degree heat, hot spot and they do great. I mean
1: You know what's funny? I kept mine at like an eighty six degree hot spot. So it shows you that fuck it. I mean, they live whatever, but but mine mine actually ended up getting like an abscess in her mouth and then ended up dying, so uh, um, they just have really is- slow metabolisms. I don't know if we knew how to really slow treat it.
0: Really slow. I mean I had well, i've got so i've got females that is you know you that came in the same you know group that you did like they're still living in 35 quart tubs like their metabolism is just like train wreck slow like i mean it's like i literally i mean i solely i don't feed them on any type of schedule whatsoever i literally you know wait you know until they digest and then i say okay well you know,, um, and you can tell like it just they're kind of fat sausages for a little while, and it's like okay, they need some more time, like is he, I don't want them I don't want them fat, you know like, but they just yeah, they have a weird body you know metabolism, and so but blood pythons are kind of the same way, it's like they have a stupid, slow metabolism, and they're they just kind of take a longer time to grow. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but that's fine. I mean, they're, they're already breeding, obviously. So, yeah. I mean, they don't have to be adults or you know six feet or whatever, but then I mean, to breed. Um, I, think I mean, I know mine was... was, I mean, honestly, what was it? Three
1: to four feet. It yeah. It's, <laughs> it's fucking tiny.
0: That's all mine are right now. Yeah. yeah. Like a fat corn snake. I mean, <laughs>
1: right. I, I've been thinking about getting like aspirin or viper boas. Another
0: candoya
2: You've been thinking of, cool. about getting. Everything. I'll
0: send. I'll send you some if I have have a litter.
2: No, we uh, want you, baby. We want albino olives. Actually, we can't afford albino olives, but we want. <laughs> well,
0: if you're offering, I can't either. That's why I bought a head albino. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, we have a female, so we need a male, so but I don't want to deal That's with that. That's our only situation where we have a female. That, and we need well a male. water python Almost too. everything else we have males in so I, I males. guess we can, you know, we'll get a male a male water python, we'll breed
0: water pythons,
1: and we can do swapsies.
0: No yeah. water python
1: for olives.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't have water pythons. What's uh what type what type of waters do you have?
1: Um, the Australians. I don't have they're not like specific Fog Dam or anything like that, but um produced by I forget the guy's name up in Rochester, New York. But um dude, they're fun. I don't know, mine's chill. Oh. Most I guess aren't, but mine's alright.
0: I just like how it looks. I've heard I've heard the the fiskus from uh Indo are really wild and crazy and the ones from Australia tend to be a little more Mellow and easier to deal with, I mean, I mean there's two there's two different subspecies from Australia, but I think we only have one here in the states. there's the ones from Australia and the ones from Indo mm-hmm. here in the states with them. that's like but what I really want are dus pythons, <laughs> yeah.
1: You're like, I want an olive. I just want to look a little bit more jacked up and have a fat face and stuff. And I, uh, it's just not had by most, I guess. Yeah. But there's a guy for that, and he's in Washington, and you know him, and you yeah, figure it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I can just call him and say, Hey, I'm sending you money. Uh, <laughs> I'm sending you my paycheck. And uh, send, send me more. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, he, it's funny how we just like things that we don't have yet. So it's like we have all the other liasses and olives are amazing. But all of a sudden, now that there's only, like, a few duns pythons left, you know, we need duns.
2: Sorry, Actually, I,
1: I'm Googling them right now because it's a little right, uh, between a poplin and an olive. But I feel like you could get that pattern in something else. Like a maklotz, yeah. Well.
0: Yeah, a duns python is just kind of a maklotz python in fact for a long period of time they uh they were mistakenly the same they were sp- mistakenly the same thing <laughs> and then they thought they were subspecies and then they realized that they're a total separate you know species of python um but uh those weren't in the states for a long time um I got fascinated with them kind of right when I also got fascinated with all the other Liasis stuff and um I was really upset that there was no duns in the country. Um and uh just in the last what two years um, yeah, Nick and uh um uh KJ Ryan Young Ryan Young um brought in uh, a few um Dons pythons. They got their hands on some. Crazy
1: how things appear once people
0: want them. Yeah, yeah. They're uh. Well, Nick's tenacious in (laughs) the species that he wants, and so you know, uh, I mean, uh, he'll get them, uh, and he got them. I mean, um, (laughs) I uh, I've actually, as far as you know, things in other countries that I desperately want is uh, I really want some. there's a, two different species, subspecies of boa constrictor that are not here in the states that I just absolutely would love. Um, uh, one are the clouded boas, uh, and they're kind of like kind of like the baby Argentine boas, but they keep that kind of weird smoky gray color all through their life. Um, Is that a
1: subspecies of boa constrictor?
0: Yeah, they're Boa Constrictor nebulosa, um, uh, or their common name is the clouded boas. Um, And uh, they're a really, really neat-looking species. Um, We don't have them in the States anymore. Um, The few that were here have gotten old and died off. And and then another one is the St. Lucius boa. Uh, and I'm totally gonna mind blank on their species name. Uh, yep. <laughs> Not there. Um, well, we looked at the clouded
1: boa. It looks like an ugly BCI oh, from a from an idiot's perspective. So I'm They're sorry. They're
0: so cool. They're so <laughs> cool. Uh, it's, they don't get very they don't get very big. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, they're very similar to like a long-tail boa or a Costa Rican boa. They're they're going to be like you know, like four or five feet. You know, like like a ball python basically sized boa constrictor. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I don't know. There's just something different in it. Maybe it's just because there's none in the U.S. That I yeah yeah <laughs> I'm more fascinated by it than. Uh, um, and then the other one is the Saint Lucius boa that, like I said, I can't. Oh, uh, wait. I just
2: looked it up, but I'm going to fuck up the name. Uh, Araf, Arap, Araf, Araf, mm. Aras, Orpheus.
1: <laughs> Orpheus.
0: Orpheus.
1: Oropheus. I told you I was going to fuck it oh.
0: up. Yeah. Oh, constrictor, Oropheus.
1: Yeah. I, think, I think Longicata is my favorite name because um, they named it that because it has a longer dick. So they call them long tail pythons, but Longicata means long dick in okay. yeah. our fake
0: Latin language. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it means long, long penis. (laughs) Well, those came in, those are kind of funny because I actually have, um, I have some that originated, uh, from animals that were came into the country before they were a species. Um, and I have their, uh, lineage broken down that I'm at, I think my animals are the fifth generation. Um, of line breeding this, um, this group. Um, but they're, uh, yeah, they came into the country, um, has Peruvian boas, uh, with other like Peruvian red tail boas and stuff. Um, and Ben Russo's brother, Robert and, um, uh, Dr. Robert Price, um, They, you know, did all the scientific uh, scale counting and measuring and stuff like that, and uh, and yeah, named them boa constrictor longicata because of their um, enormous uh, (coughs) hemi. (laughs) hemi (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, they're a neat species. Uh, I've kept them now for I got my first ones and. Uh, 2009. And, uh, I've been keeping them ever since. I uh, produced some back in 2016. Um, and hopefully gonna produce some more this year. They're neat. They don't get very big. You can keep them in CB70 tubs. Like, they're, they're, they're fun. I mean, they're a boa without the, giant boa you know yeah See, i
1: didn't know that they were any smaller than like a regular boa or bci or something like that
0: yeah they're they're not a dwarf but they're semi-dwarf i mean when you compare them to like a bci or a bcc um they're they definitely don't get that big i mean my adult females eat medium rats and um i mean they're like maybe five feet long my mm-hmm. my 2009 females probably five feet long
1: do you maybe. see any dis- discrepancy in attitude on the longicata uh, yeah they're not
0: very nice snakes um, <laughs> <laughs> um uh, i don't i don't actively hold them a lot uh
1: why does it seem that only bci's are nice
0: uh, well, no, I have plenty of Argentines that are really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Longtails just don't, um, they're weird. You can tell that they're shy and they're just a little extra shy. They're, they're very similar to like blood pythons. They're not mean or aggressive snakes. They're shy snakes and they don't tolerate you know, incorrect holding <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you can't swing them around like a corn snake and just go, Oh yeah. You know I mean? Um, like I, they, they don't tolerate that as where, you know, you know, other, you know, like BCIs or they're kind of just like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like um, I mean, most of them are pretty mellow in that regard. Um, but yeah, long tails don't, they don't really want, interaction with you, they just kinda mm-hmm. um but I mean I hold them. I mean um but yeah you can you can tell they're shy and they just you know a lot of fast movement and, and stuff like that. They just, they're not gonna put up with that kind of stuff. I mean mm-hmm. but that being said, I mean if you work with them enough they're gonna be tame and handleable. I mean um a lot of my customers <clears throat> hold theirs all the time and, and always report back with you know, that they're real mellow and easy going. And uh, that's just not my experience. But, you know, I also have a lot of snakes. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't get the amount of time that a lot of other people do to handle them. And, uh, you know, uh, most of the animals, even adults, you know, their entire life, they've basically been moved from one cage to the next so I could clean that cage and move back. And that's about all the interaction they have with me other than, when I go in there to give them water or take a know, picture, uh, I'll take a picture of them or offer them a food item, you know. So, um, you know, I'm pretty fortunate really when you think about it that there's a lot of pretty much all my adults are pretty mellow when you consider that I'm not spending that much time with them. I mean, that some things, you know, I spend, a, I mean, obviously I hold things here and there and, uh, um, Especially animals that I'm gonna use for education, you know i I go in and really like push them to their limits and stuff um so I don't have a bad reaction when I have a little kid holding it or something but mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean, all things considered i mean you know with with pretty minimal handling, most stuff tames down pretty well, I mean, at least with most of the species that I work with so, mm-hmm. I mean. I think the only carpet pyth- adult carpet pythons that would bite me in my collection are my jungles. Yeah. And man, that's that's about it. All my other coastals are mellow. My brittles are mellow. Man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> even my even my boas and stuff. I mean, they're mostly talk. mostly talk and they'll hiss at you and stuff and yeah they won't actually like it i mean but
1: you mentioned a couple times education so what exactly do you do
0: um so i do classrooms and uh um i I did a music video once uh, wait wait
2: wait wait wait. yeah you're gonna have to go into more detail about
0: that. <clears throat> so a uh la band from australia um they moved from australia to uh la to you know start their music careers or whatever and um they're like a little uh punk band um very grunge rock you know like nirvana meets uh you know um <laughs> punk, I guess is that, <laughs> the best explanation um, but they had a song called Venom and they wanted, uh, they wanted snakes in it and so uh, they actually filmed up here at the, um, uh, the Madonna Inn uh, the famous Madonna Inn which is only you know, about 20 minutes from me um, and I went down there, met them in their hotel room and they filmed in the hotel room um, pretty high budget uh, music video no, no, it was uh,
1: <laughs> I jumped in mid story and I thought you were shooting a porn for a second uh, in a motel uh,
2: room. Well, that's what
0: happened. god, uh, okay. Well, funny story. Uh, <laughs> as, oh, god, as we're you know, and, uh, basically, I was just you know, I was whatever you know, wherever she wanted to, or they wanted the snakes, uh, the lead singer was a female, um, and uh, you know, she was basically holding the snakes or they were crawling around on the couch next to her um, um, uh, or up over the top of the couch type of deal. Um, And I was just basically moving the snakes. So they were in the shot or whatever shots they were doing. And she, uh, she actually asked her bandmates and uh, the film crew, like that was shooting the video. Like um, after, you know, we had shot a bunch of stuff. She was like, you know should i get down in my knickers and and uh and i thought please god don't because uh my wife is gonna watch this and then she's gonna know that i was standing right next to you in your underpants like i'm like no 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 please please don't do that like uh (laughs) <laughs> I didn't say any of that. Unfortunately, the band said it for me. They're like, "No, I think we're good. We got good, good shots." And I was like, "Yes." Uh like <laughs> uh but um no, they were really cool. Um uh it was kind of funny that uh you know, I brought a carpet python with me and they're from Australia and uh and I was like, "Yeah, you, you can find these in your backyard, you know, like um but uh no, they were really cool about it and it was a really interesting video. it was cool um it was fun to do um it only took me a couple hours of my time and um it was fun but uh overall, most of the time I do classrooms uh of all ages um uh I do my kid both my kids' classrooms for free every year um so it's it's uh it's a lot of fun I like to do a lot of education if I can. Um I'll do birthday parties and stuff like that. Um, I'm trying but, uh, to get
2: him into that, but he's not interested in it.
0: It's so much fun. Like, we bring... We usually bring, like, a brooded dragon, a box turtle, um, a corn snake, a bull snake, and a carpet python. Is kind of our usual go-tos. And, um... And listening to little kids, like I, I always like ask questions and have the kids answer. And, and then I, you know, if they get it right, cool. And I'll expand on that note. Or if they get it wrong, you know, I'll <clears throat> correct them and, and we'll work that direction. And But uh, man, it's fascinating the way kids' minds work. It's like, I always ask like, you know, what, what do you think a turtle shell is made out of? And like, Oh dude, like kids will be like, "Oh, they're made out of rocks, and like he carved it out of wood <laughs> like sometimes it's like it's so much fun to to listen to a a kid's you know imagination of how you know some of these things work and stuff it's it's a lot of fun, and then sometimes they totally surprise you, and like uh me me, and two of my buddies were doing uh we went they actually were up for carpet fest and i had a show uh classroom presentation that morning before carpet fest that night and uh so they came with me and uh um we had one kid like Talking about ontogenetic changes and stuff, oh, and I'm like, Lord. I'm like, whoa! You're in fourth grade, like, <laughs> it was really surprising. Like, both all of us were looking at each other, like, holy shit, this kid's smart. <laughs> like, but uh, no, it's it's so much fun. Uh, honestly, I, I mean, I started doing it when I first got into reptiles um, for the Children's Museum, um, and so it's just something that's I've always really enjoyed um you know reptiles are well like you know i grew up afraid of snake and if i had had someone like myself come to my classroom when i was a kid you know uh, maybe i wouldn't have been afraid of snake and Mm -hmm. then and um you know i mean to me that's like i mean reptiles are you know so misunderstood that it's like if if more and more people can can share that passion with with others it's it's nothing but good things for for reptiles in general i mean you know i mean um i constantly have people come to my table when i'm at a reptile show and they're you know they'll start asking me about just like basic reptile questions and i mean you know and it's like you know they're obviously not going to buy anything from me i mean Mm. Um, you know, most of the species I work with are, you know, more advanced anyway. Um, but, you know, I still answer all their questions and, you know, I'll sit there for 45 minutes, you know, talking about whatever questions they have. I mean, um, you know, because that's, I mean, that's what it's all about in the end is, you know, sharing our passion with other people. I mean, you know, I was a kid. I was a kid years ago that didn't know anything about reptiles. So, you know, I mean, you got to start somewhere. Absolutely.
1: That's, that's a great way to end the podcast. We made it (laughs) to
2: positive note.
1: Absolutely. So Travis, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And how can people get in touch with you?
0: Uh, we have a YouTube channel at living legless. Um, we have a facebook page uh, same thing living legless um you can find me on our website living legless uh, uh yeah um <clears throat> excuse me livinglegless.com um yeah we uh we're instagram um yeah there's there's a lot of ways to to check out our stuff and um We're pretty active on all social media, and even our website's updated pretty regularly. Oh,
1: yeah. So, yeah. And um, so, what do you have to say? Oh, we
2: didn't talk about it earlier in the beginning. We didn't plug Southeast Carpet Fest. Oh, snap. We forgot. Um, Southeast Carpet Fest, May 4th and 5th. It's at Ryan Sullivan of Ivory Connections, house land area. (laughs) House
1: Uh, land area. Yeah. um in elmo texas if you want more details about that you can hit me up you can hit ryan up you can hit up uh, evan. evan and all that good stuff otherwise com. you're listening to us whatever whatever you know where to find us travis can you hang out for a second yeah, absolutely all right cool i don't know if you want to there's a bunch of people on youtube if you want to show off some snakes if you have time
0: yeah absolutely all right, all right cool yeah i want to see you i mean
1: yeah, yeah. I'm going to turn off the. I'll just edit it out on um, the download and then we'll just do. It I want to
2: see.